you have to ask yourself at some point, what quality of life do you want? Mm -hmm. And this is the life that I've chosen. And it brings me so much joy. It's financially rewarding. And I get to meet great people. You're listening to the Thanks for Visiting podcast. We believe hosting with heart is at the core of every successful short-term rental. With Annette's background in business operation and Sarah's extensive hospitality management and interior design experience, this dynamic duo has welcomed more than 2,000 guests from 25 countries, earning them over half a million dollars and garnering them over 650 five-star reviews. Now they're ready to share creative ways for your listing to stand out, to serve your guests and be profitable. Each episode will have knowledgeable guests who bring value to the short-term rental industry, or Annette and Sarah will share stories about their own experiences so you can implement actionable improvements to your own rentals. Whether you're experienced, new, or nervous to start your own short-term rental, we promise you'll feel right at home. Here are your hosts, Annette and Sarah. Hey, hey, Sarah from Thanks for Visiting here, introducing you to episode number nine. We again hit the road to, but this time to Cincinnati, just south of where we're from, Columbus, Ohio. And we met with super host Patty. We stayed in her space and you'll never believe this. Patty left behind an entire career to be a full-time host. You're going to be so inspired. I can't wait for you to meet her. Okay, we have Patty here, who is a host here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay, Patty, we want to know your story. Why did you start being an Airbnb host? Well, I was at a point in my life where things were changing rapidly. I was divorced. My kids were all out of the house and I needed to downsize. So um, I sold my home and it sold in the first day and I kind of threw me into a tizzy. So everything, you know, a lot of the belongings that I had, I was having to get rid of. I found a home um, in OTR where I live. It's undergoing a massive reconstruction and revitalization of the area. When I was looking, there was really nothing on the market, but I found a building. When I had it moved into a two-bedroom, two-bath, went from about 6,000 square feet down to 1,000. But I worried as a mom, where do I put my kids when they come in? I have three adult children. So I kind of went back and forth and made the decision to buy the first floor unit. I live in a three-unit building that's 150 years old that had just been renovated. So I buy the first floor unit, and um, that way I, I felt that I was going to be able to control my environment a little bit more, not knowing who my neighbors were and things like that. And a couple days before I closed, I had a knock on the door from the person that had developed the building and said he had been approached by a moving company that was filming with Nicole Kidman and Colin Farrell, and they wanted to rent the unit for several months for the producer to stay in. After talking with them, I found out that it would need to be furnished. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to my neighbor on the third floor and I discussed it with them because I didn't want to put them in a situation that they were uncomfortable with. And they brought to my attention Airbnb. I really wasn't very familiar with it. I had never stayed in an Airbnb unit, but I decided to make the plunge. I went ahead and bought the furniture for the two-bedroom, um, two-bath unit. And during that process of them being there for three months, I fell in love with you know, the whole concept. After they checked out, I started getting um, people in from more of a long-term rental situation where I got, for two weeks, I had the Phantom of the Opera cast in. Mm -hmm. I had different guests coming in for the month. And then it rapidly turned into 30-day short-term rentals 
where I had a couple doctors coming in. Then I hosted a family that was waiting to their home to be finished for several months. And I realized I was having so much fun with it, I decided to take the plunge and buy a second unit. During that purchase of the second unit, I really got to see how Airbnb works because in that unit, I was getting people in every other day or they'd stay a week or they'd stay a weekend. And it's really interesting how people are so disconnected in this world because we're all talking by text. No one talks anymore that people enjoy feeling like they're the norm of the Cheers bar. When they walk into my home or one of my hosted units, I'm like the bartender there just clapping, say, oh, you're here. They tell me their stories. They share their lives with me. I give them suggestions of where to go, you know, the hidden hotspots. And it's just been a fun journey. Yeah. How long ago was that from from buying that? uh, Was it a studio that the... Um, It's actually a two-bedroom, two-bath. Okay. How long ago? And um, that was August of 2016. So So just a little over two years. A little over two years. And how many uh, Airbnbs do you take care of now? I, at one point, I have five that I completely run myself. Mm -hmm. I manage a dozen other ones for other people. Wow. And so it's been a a lot of fun. And it's mainly women. You know, yes. it's women taking chances and taking risks with what, you know, they love to do, which is, you know, mothering and nurturing and, you know, having having fun with guests. You mentioned this before we hit record, but the history of the female role mm-hmm. in rentals and in hosting people. Can you share that? I was very lucky. My son was a flight attendant. So when I made the decision to leave my job and do Airbnb full time... I was able to take advantage of my son's flight benefits. Mm -hmm. So I started to travel to Europe and stay in Airbnbs and get ideas from other hosts. I learned that Airbnb, or bed and breakfasts in general, have a long history with women. After the Civil War, our our nation was decimated and we lost a, a good chunk of our male population. And a lot of women were left without a primary bed breadwinner. Mm-hmm. So they open their homes to boarders. They most of their homes become boarding houses and that's how they were able to survive until, you know, the economics came back so that um and I guess the male population came back as well. But um and then when you go to Ireland, they have a very rich history of women opening up their homes and running boarding homes that continue to this day. Yeah. They all operate on different platforms, but the history is the same. This is a sharing community where you're allowing people to come into your home and live like a local. Yes. Yeah. So you have from both both perspectives then, like you own some of them and which is kind of my angle, Sarah's angle. And then Annette works with a, a developer mm-hmm. and she, and they partner up on properties. So do you find benefits to both? Like if someone is not ready to take that real estate plunge and own properties, do you recommend working with other landlords and, and being a team? You can. Um, I think that there's a couple different avenues you can go. I have a couple of buildings that I, in, in those units, I re-rent the units to Airbnb guests. You need to be very careful. You need to make sure your leases allow it. Mm-hmm. We don't want anybody breaking any rules. But a lot of owners are open to the fact with my units that I re-rent, I pay the normal standard rent for okay. that unit. Um, I also offer an additional insurance policy of liability that's $2 million, which really only equates out to about $250 a year. 
Yeah. But that gives them an additional safety net that they feel like, because I think everyone hears the horror stories about people yeah. coming in and trashing something. And over 700 guests, I've never had a problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had broken glass here and there, you know, but nothing, right. nothing major. Right. But you can go ahead and look at leases. You want to also look at condo associations that make sure that they allow short-term rentals. And that's a period less than 30 days. And you want to be a good neighbor. You know, talk to the neighbors, make sure they know who you are and what's going on. So if there is an issue, they can get in touch with you. In the situation we have, um, a couple of the buildings, the, the landlords actually reached out to me because they wanted to do it themselves. But because of all the moving pieces and parts, they didn't feel confident that they could do it successfully. Right. So I came in, I rented a unit, and I made the decision to go ahead and try to furnish it as inexpensively as I could. Right now, we're in a great time and place that a lot of people are downsizing their homes. Right. And so they're getting rid of furniture that they may have spent thousands of dollars on, and you're getting it for pennies on the dollar. And so you can bring these items in and make it look a lot more luxe than it maybe necessarily is. So you don't have to have a tremendous investment. Right. In another unit that I owned, which was my first one, I spent a lot of money getting it furnished, but the pieces all have lasted two years later. It still looks brand new. Right. It looks great. So you do get what you pay for. Right. And I would tell somebody to if they're going to take the plunge, look at both venues and see, or both avenues and see which one makes the most sense for them financially. And you can always upgrade later. Always. Um, when I, in this particular unit we're in now, I posted pictures with just a bed in it and said, you know, you know, under, under development right now, book while you can, I will be posting pictures as the furniture comes in and things like that. So that way I got the bookings. I knew what my revenue stream was. And then I kept purchasing items Till I got it to the point that I liked it. Right. Um, and even now, if I see something that I think is cute, I'll buy it. I'm constantly switching things out between units because maybe it fits better over here. So, um, and that's kind of fun too. Yeah. yeah. So when you're thrifting for a space, if you want to do a space on a budget, are mm-hmm. you going to consignment stores? Where are you going to find those good deals? Well, the Facebook marketplace is great okay. um, because of the fact that a lot of people do sell it on there because they don't want to have to pay to get it to a consignment shop. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, consignment shops are great because of the fact that a lot of them have trucks, so they'll pick them up and bring, you know, and bring them to the store. So you can find some good deals there. I would encourage you to, if you're going to thrift shop, most of the ones that are really good that are going to get the higher end pieces mm-hmm. always have coupons. Like today I got a text message saying 30% off of all home decor, yeah. 10% off of anything in the, in the store. So sign up for their emails, sign up for their Facebook pages. You'll get the notification, get the text messages, and you can really get the bargains that way. There are also online auctions, and mm-hmm. I know that everything but the house is in your area, too. Mm-hmm. Again, a great venue for people that don't want to have to move everything out. They just put it online, you bid on it, and you can get some really good buys. Like this couch right here was $15. So yeah. It is an 18, late 1800 Empire couch. It has been recently reupholstered. It's just not going to fit most people's sure. You know, home style, but for here, trying to go with a Paris thing, it's perfect. Perfect. And it's comfortable and somebody can sleep on it. So that's another thing, too. You know, look for things that can be multi purpose. Right. I don't think anybody ever has slept on it, but who knows? Right. right. <laughs> you never know kind of what goes on behind you closed doors in your rental. So, as long as they leave it as they found it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and you expect some things like, you know, people are going to spill wine occasionally, people sure. are going to do this, but there's nothing that you can't Google a solution to. Right. And that's the one thing I found. There's right. not a stain out there that somebody hasn't, hasn't tackled. Yeah. 
I know you said you've had a pretty good run the entire time you've had 700 plus guests. Mm -hmm. What is the most challenging experience you've had, even if it was pretty minor? You know, I'm one of the people that if somebody doesn't have a review, because these are unhosted units, there's a difference between an Airbnb unit where the owner lives there and you're just opening up a couple of bedrooms or an unhosted unit where the whole open, the whole unit is available to that guest. So a lot of people are new to Airbnb like I was. So somebody took a risk on me to allow me to go into their home. So I make an effort to make sure that people always feel welcome in my homes. I call them my babies. And so what I do is a lot of people don't have reviews. And so every once in a while, you'll get a kid that's used to being in a hotel room and they don't care if they leave wet towels on the mattress or they, you know, leave the, you know, the trash everywhere. So it's usually more of a messy type of thing. Mm-hmm than anything else, you know, there's always going to be, you know, somebody that nicks their leg, you know, and, you know, bleeds on the comforter. So then you have to bleach it. So you have to make sure you have a couple of comforters or maybe three. So just making sure you're well prepared for all the supplies you need. Sure. The biggest challenge for me was I wasn't buying things in enough bulk. Mm -hmm. And once I got to the point where I realized, okay, this is working. I'm not going to be stingy. I'm going to go out and buy 600 rolls of toilet paper because my time is valuable. I don't want to be in a car for an hour going back and forth buying four rolls of toilet paper when I could have it here. Right. So you learn to trust your judgment and get things that you need in a bigger bulk. Um, Making sure you have better sheets on the bed. And, you know, and the thing is, is that sharing the types of tips that we have, like, hands down, two years later, my sheets still look amazing. Right. And it all came from Sam's Club, mm-hmm. which members mark sheets are women-owned, women-made in the U.S. So we're supporting other women. Yeah. And their sheets wash fabulously. They're beautiful. They, you know, you kind of, I don't know, they just feel more luxe. That's so. an awesome tip. Yeah, so, um, you know, you kind of learn these things. Um, I've got a couple of friends that I've introduced Airbnb hosting to. They find out information. They share it with me. We all kind of just keep, you know, keep it going. The guests themselves have really not been bad. Every once in a while, you'll get a guest in because these are very urban settings. Mm -hmm. They're a little bit, you know, cautious because of the fact that a lot of the buildings are still under construction. At night, it looks a little bit more sketchy than it does during the day. But even during the day, it looks sketchy. But when you look at the buildings, you can tell every single one of them are under construction. Right. I've had to include very, I think, kind of harsh descriptions of the area because of the fact that this is my home. It doesn't bother me, but a lot of people aren't used to a multi-race area Yeah. Um, where you are clearly going to see poverty. You're clearly going to see homeless. You may be panhandled. So I have to give very specific instructions. You know, if someone comes up to you and panhandles you, don't ignore them. Just say, I'm sorry, I don't carry any cash on me. Be nice, move on. They usually won't be aggressive. Um, I've never had anybody be aggressive. But, um, you know, but there are people that live next door to me in Section 8 housing in some of my units. During the summer, they may be outside sitting outside because it's 90 degrees outside. It's probably 110 inside their homes. And, you know, just talk, interact. Just because you're poor doesn't mean you're going to hurt them. It's just this is the situation that they're in right now. I had one guest that, it's kind of a funny story. um, He and his daughter came up to go to Kings Island, and they left Kings Island. And anytime you go to an amusement park, you're exhausted. Yeah. They come back, and they're, again, big urban setting, and there's a couple guys that always sit outside during the summer. 
And he said, well, they were really looking at my daughter. And I said, well, did you ever kind of think that maybe they were trying to figure out why is this 50-year-old guy walking in with this 20-year-old girl? <laughs> and he's like, oh, my gosh, I never thought of that. So you have to sometimes pull yourself back away and ask yourself, what could they possibly be thinking? Right. And I said, if you would have just said, hey, Harry, hey, Joe, they, you know, they'd wave back. Yeah. They're protecting me now because I'm one of their neighbors as much as anything else. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And I think that's the great thing about Airbnb is that you get to live like a local and oh, experience the, the, the fabric of the different neighborhoods. Well, the thing is, is that you want to have experiences nowadays. You want to go into bars and you want to have, you know, the best drink. You want to go to have a, a restaurant and not waste your money on something that's mediocre. Yeah. So if I can tell you where to go, yep. where you can have a better meal for half the price. Right. And you can have, you know, a really fun experience in a local bar, then most people want that. They want to be able to say, hey, I did this, I did that. And a lot of people, you know, rely on travel books. Like you can see a stack of them here. Mm -hmm. When I go to um, go to Europe, I always buy a travel book before I go because I don't know if the language barriers are going to create issues and I want to be able to see what I'm looking at. Yeah. Most small towns don't have those types of things. So the host fills in that need to tell you what to do, where to go. Um, there have been a lot of times where I've had hosts that stay for, actually guests that stay for a few days. And I'm able to reach out and say, hey, listen, if you want to hop in my car, I'll give you the 10-minute tour of Cincinnati. Yeah. You can get out, get some picturesque places, bring you to some places that you normally wouldn't go to. Yeah. And then you can kind of see some of the sites. And so they've enjoyed that. I've enjoyed it. I've been invited to go visit people in South Africa, um, New Zealand, Paris. Paris, I took them up on. <laughs> but, um, and just different areas. So it's kind of like an extended family. A lot of them have become Facebook friends, so we have followed each other even past that. So it's, it's nice when guests who are just paying become friends yeah. and later you kind of kind of quasi-family. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Any experiences that stand out to you that were really memorable, like exceptionally memorable people you've met? Well, of course, the producer of the movie company. Yeah. Um, that was a lot of fun. You know, he kept Colin Farrell away from me, probably right so. <laughs> <laughs> It was that was That's a little fair. bit of a disappointment. Mm. Every time he was in the house, I'd find out after the car was pulling away. But, um, and it was probably safer for college. But, yeah. you know, it's interesting to listen to people's stories. And I love hearing, you know, just the everyday things that go on in their lives. I've had kids that go to children's hospital that are extremely ill and the families need to be able to control the environment. And they can't do that in a hotel with hundreds and hundreds of people coming in and out mm -hmm. every day. So you, you learn about their families, their kids. Um, right now, I think the biggest blessing for me, and I would have never figured, thought about this when I first bought the unit, is how it's taken my street where I live on Mulberry. And I now know all my neighbors. I know all their families because their families have stayed in my mm -hmm. unit. So they're, they're like more than just neighbors now because they call me and they say, hey, my um, sister's coming in from Puerto Rico for a week. Can she stay? Yeah. Absolutely. And I kind of give the, you know, really big discounted friend yeah. discount because I realize that, you know, all the people coming and going may be a nuisance. They've all said not, but I want to know who they are. I want to know their families. And so um, a couple doors down, I have a young couple with twins. Their family has stayed. My The, the third floor building has stayed. Their mom and dad has stayed. The in-laws have stayed. Yeah. The brothers and sisters have stayed. So I know everyone. I don't think that would ever happen 
unless that unit existed. Especially in today's high-tech, face-in-the-phone world. You know, and tech has brought us together because Airbnb is essentially a technology marketing platform. But I do love the good that it's doing for... Well, yeah, I mean, it's for me in particular... You know, it's given me a financial base. I'm not going to be, I'm never going to be uber wealthy from it, but it has given me the the resources that I need to make sure that I will be able to retire comfortably. Mm -hmm. So in this case, instead of pulling money out at a rate of, you know, a couple thousand dollars a month from my retirement account, because I've used some of my retirement funds to actually purchase an account, that rent will be what I take out. So I'll never lose the base. Yeah. And most people don't save enough for retirement anyhow. So this is one way to make sure that I have a steady revenue stream coming in without having to worry about things. Um, one question before we wrap up, because I could talk to you all day, but you manage a lot of properties. And I think if people are easily able to fall in love with the Airbnb model. So what are your tips and tricks for, for managing multiple Airbnb spaces? Are there apps that you use? Is there a spreadsheet you've created? Or how do you manage all that? Well, the Airbnb app is pretty you know, straightforward. Um, a lot of times, because I can be a co-host on the apps, mm-hmm. if people are using multiple platforms, like there's a VRBO out there, there's a lot of different ones. Mm-hmm. Some people like to do a longer-term rental, and so they'll use a little bit more VRBO. Mm-hmm. You can combine the calendars, and it will actually sync into Airbnb. So if you get a booking on um, VRBO, it will block it on Airbnb. With technology, that sometimes doesn't work all the time. Mm-hmm. So what I have done is I have Google calendars where... I go ahead and I make myself an extra note. So that way I know which housekeeper is going where and it gives me alerts and it sends me messages just to remind me. So every day I pretty much look at everything on Airbnb to see what does my day look like, what does my week look like, what do I need to be prepared for, and then I move forward. This is not a lot of work. I think a lot of people, it is a lot of moving pieces and parts, but I would say on a daily basis, I probably only work an average of two to three hours a day. My biggest challenge is record keeping because every receipt has to be documented. Um, so I have a QuickBook app that is on my iPhone where now when I spend something, I immediately take a picture, it downloads into the particular category, and that's taken a burden off of me. Mm-hmm. Because once your business starts to grow, then there's a lot more expenses and it just doesn't work to have a shoebox full of receipts and hand them off to someone at the end of the year. Right. You know, do they really input them? So now I just hand them spreadsheets. Yeah. And I am not an accounting person. That's probably the only reason I miss my ex-husband. He is really good. <laughs> only reason. But, um, but yeah, so that's, I would say accounting is really important. Making sure you have an LLC so that anything that you have is protected. It also puts you in a, even though everything that you earn is going to be on your, you know, on your income tax. Mm-hmm. But I think protecting whatever assets you have. So if there is an issue, making sure that everything is safe. So always looking at things, making sure that, you know, is there something I can do to make this safer? So there's always baking soda and there's always a fire extinguisher everywhere I go, even mm-hmm. though they're really not required. Right. Because I know people do that. Um, but from a kitchen standpoint, I think in this unit, it's been available about 15 months. I think I've only had three people cook. So if you want to have long life of appliances, then you <laughs> definitely short-term rental. Have it, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
I try to leave some items in here. So if somebody wants some oatmeal, or they, there's always coffee pods and coffee. Um, but there's peanut butter and jelly. There's usually macaroni and cheese. There's something that if somebody comes in late at night, they can. It's a quick nosh. Yeah, it's something. Yeah. Ramen noodles it seems to be a big hit. Yeah. Which is crazy. I think they're horrible for you. <laughs> they're pretty salty. But they love, people love them. Um, and those are relatively cheap. The big thing is just communicating with other people. Mm-hmm. I think the bigger group you get to go ahead and knock, you know, not everything will fit your particular style. And just because something does, somebody does something different doesn't necessarily mean that their way is better. It's just different. You can be equally effective with different styles. Right. Um, the one thing I would encourage people to do, and I learned a lot from it, was there's a um, show on Netflix that's called Stay Here. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting to kind of see how you can tap into like I'm not a big Instagram person but it was interesting to me to see how they're using Instagram and the hashtags and things like that and so if you are in a really big area that you can do that then use it Um, but it also gave me tips about you know different items and things like that to bring in you know, I'm a big fan of Sam's Club. You know, as I said before, their sheets are great. Their towels are great. You know, I think a lot of people want to put in a lot of really plush towels. And um, sometimes it's better to go ahead and put in the thinner ones so that you're not washing four loads of laundry. Because mm-hmm. laundry is the thing that you're going to have to do the most. Yeah. So having three sets of everything so that if you do have three checkouts three days in a row, you're not staying there four hours doing laundry. Yeah. Do you have any good laundry tips? Do you like to take all your laundry to a big laundromat? Do you hire it out? What's your laundry tip? Um, because I have so many units right around here, I have a washer and dryer at this unit. And so I have a tendency to go, since I purchased the washers and dryers myself, I go with a more of a high energy efficiency mm-hmm. one that uses less water and that's got quick speeds. Mm-hmm. So, and then they really wring them out. So for me, um, bleach is my friend, and then, which you probably overwhelmed by the bleach smell. But I use, I, this is the only unit that I do have a laundry area in the basement, but it's just too hard with other people being in the building to go ahead and yeah. leave laundry there. So typically what I'll do is the laundry that comes from here will go to either one of the two buildings. If those two units happen to have guests, then they'll come home with me. Or my housekeeper, she has laundry available as well if she wants to do it but typically we have enough laundry that we can tuck it someplace and for now yeah. and, and get it out of the way yeah it's you know you just get in a habit it's not like you're having to sit there with a scrub board and wash right. it you just you know like this morning i threw a load on i've learned to go ahead if i want to reduce my utility bills i do more laundry at night than i do during the day mm-hmm. you know with the units you can't kind of stop that yeah. but at my home I usually will do it more at night than I do during the day. So, and I also kind of like that ambient noise. I don't think that, you know, you have to kind of be aware that wash rags are really disposable paper towels because when they take their makeup off and you're going to have to toss them or make them cleaning rags. So, you know, there's certain things don't spend a lot of money on certain things Mm -hmm. because that's what's going to happen. Cleaning supplies, I try to get things probably even though it's probably not as environmentally healthy to use bleach, as a registered nurse, I know it's going to kill any kind of funk that's left behind. Mm-hmm. So and that's my biggest concern is I always want to make sure things are you know pretty clean. Sanitized. And then, you know, when you're dealing with older buildings, you have a lot of dust issues. So making sure that you're swiffering as much as you can, things like that, vacuuming. But because um, the bricks, this one doesn't have as much, but the bricks just rain dust. Yeah. And, and everybody loves exposed brick, but it is, it's nothing but, you know, watching the dust. 
Yeah. And then, you know, replacing things when you feel like they need to be replaced. You know, don't... I've gone into a lot of units where I've taken them over and the people just, they've got the revenue coming in, but they get a little greedy and they forget that it's been three years, so you need to change out that comforter. You need to change out. You know, your sheets have got holes in it. Change it out. Yeah. Because you want the revenue to keep going. Airbnb is interesting because I can review my guest, but they can also review me. Mm-hmm. And it's done simultaneously, so if, if, I, if I'm not completely accurate with them, then they're not, you know, they're not going to know what I say, and I don't know what they say. Right, right. Um, so it's kind of a, a, a hit or miss. And it's always interesting to me where I look at some of the units that I've managed in the past and the reviews. Some, what's, what makes some person, you know, upset doesn't bother another person. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, and, and, and I, like this unit has a couple different varieties of heating. And I had a review the other day that she's like, I didn't have enough time to call you, so I never figured out how to work the heat. And I'm thinking, well, how is that my fault? (laughs) Yeah. There was, you know, I keep it pretty warm. You know, all you had to do was text me. And that's the one thing. Communication is key. My phones are on all the time. Um, when, I, when I'm when i out with friends, they know I'm constantly looking at the phone, making yeah. sure that if somebody's texting me, I understand. I've got a great group of women that support me. So when I want to leave town and I want to do something fun and I may be out of pocket, they take over. Yeah. And, and, and vice versa, I do it for them. So, you know, finding people that you can trust that have the same vision of you as you do that you can bring into that circle really helps. But it's a, so much more fun than it is problems. I mean, it really is. I yeah. mean, I've been doing this now two years. I can't imagine my life without Airbnb. I left a really, really good job to do this. And um, and I can continue to grow. But you have to ask yourself at some point, what quality of life do you want? Mm-hmm. And this is the life that I've chosen. Yeah. And it brings me so much joy. It's financially rewarding. And... I get to meet great people. So it's kind of a win-win. But as women, we need to share how we're doing these things mm-hmm. because there's no reasons that corporations are you know, coming in. Everyone in the hotel industry now is starting to do Airbnb, too. They have yes. short-term rentals available. Yes. So you know, it's out there. Just know your zoning. Know your HOAs. Know your, your lease restrictions. And then start working with that. I'm not the only person that re-rents units. A lot of companies do. A lot of landlords are excited to do it. I, I mean, every day I get an email, and it's like, so if you're, if you're not ready to jump in the real estate game, talk to owners it's, in your area. Wouldn't you agree? I would, yeah. I would talk to owners in your area, but also when you, if you are going to buy something, make sure that the HOA is protected yes. because just because it's in there right now for short-term rentals doesn't necessarily mean that the HOA can't meet again and boot it out. Sure. Um, so you want to be very careful. Um, I think, you know, being in, a, in an urban setting works really well. Mm-hmm. If you want to just rent out a bedroom in your home, you can. I have a two-bedroom, two-bath that I personally live in. And I wanted to find out how it was going to work if I had somebody in my home. And I was a little uncomfortable because we're talking strangers, I'm a single female, you know, how is this going to work? So I chose a very specific group. And as a registered nurse, I know that there's traveling nurses everywhere. So I got on some of the traveling nurses sites. 
listed it just for traveling nurses. And so I've had several nurses stay with me three or four days. It gave me an idea of what kind of, you know, environment that I wanted to have and paid my utility bills, paid, you know, um, you know, some of the um, mortgage and things like that. So it worked out really well for me. And you can do it 14 days in a calendar year without having to pay taxes on it. So it's only if you exceed 14 days. Mm -hmm. So doing that, on a small-term basis, you get to you know reduce your utility bills on a tax level. You get to depreciate furniture. There's a lot of different mm-hmm. benefits to that. And I had one guest that, through a scheduling error, he showed up like two weeks early, and he was there for three months. And I'm like, I don't have any place to put you, but you know my bed, my extra bedroom is there. Do you want to just stay with me? And he's like, sure. I ended up having more fun with him. <laughs> He was he was the most one of the most interesting people I've ever met. South African, married, couple kids, worked for an internet company, traveled extensively. I mean, every night we just had a ball just talking. I learned more about the world of you know South Africa and the apartheid and things like that that I probably would have yeah. never known. And and then when his uh, when when the unit was ready. He went downstairs, and he would still come up every day. We'd cook, and we'd talk, and we'd laugh. He was just that interesting of a person. Yeah. So, so you have to be open. Now, the first few nights he slept there, I was like in my bed with you know my covers <laughs> up to my neck, you know, yeah. waiting for something to happen, and nothing did. Yeah. But I think we grow up with such fear such and fear. overwhelming fear of, of the unknown. And I think if you just take deep breaths and you move on, you'll be fine. You know, when I stay in Airbnbs in other countries. I'm staying usually in people's homes. I had this one woman that I stayed with in Paris the first time. It was her and her daughter, and her husband left her, and left her basically financially devastated. And so she used Airbnb to keep the house that they lived in, and she could rent it a certain number of days, and it basically made up for whatever income he would have been putting Mm -hmm. in. So, you know, it wasn't the most luxe accommodations. I think I paid $30 $30 a night to stay in Paris, which is great. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting to listen to her, see how she lived, and just, you know, so when I went out later that day, I went and bought, bought a whole bunch of American candy to rot out the kids' teeth and brought it back <laughs> because, you know, it's like, let me share a little who I am. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's interesting trying to navigate languages when you really don't understand their language and they don't understand yours. So it's, it, it makes you more aware of how blessed we are as a country and right. all the opportunities that we're given. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. Any questions? No. no okay. Anything else you want to share with our listeners that like, you haven't talked about yet that you really want to get out there? And I think the big thing is, is that most women are raised in such a state of fear that you have to, at some point, really believe in yourself. And the only person that really can rescue you is you. Yeah. And it's taking small steps, moving forward, and just believing that it's going to be okay. Yeah. Even the worst things that's ever happened in my life, you know, when you get further enough back from it 10 years later, you realize it put you on a course that brought you so much more blessings. So don't live in that moment. You know, a, a bad day doesn't make a bad life. Right. And just take a deep breath and move on and try to surround yourself with as many positive people. And, and that's extremely important to do because I don't know what it is about women that want to minimize other people, but I even when I had a business, I owned a business years and years ago, 
um, everyone gave me six months. They said, you know, she'll be out of business in six months. And so to make sure that happened, they didn't support the business. If you have people like that in your life, you want to have good feedback, but you don't want to have negativity. Right. So make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people that support you and are going to give you good advice and not try to scare you at every moment. Because when you, when you base things on fear, then it's going to turn out much differently. And your friendship and your circle and your call it tribe, whatever you want, is going to be real important to that success. So those are the voices you're going to hear in your head. And listen to those voices before you go into business because those are the ones you're going to have to quiet the most. I'm my worst enemy rethinking things and overthinking things and overanalyzing things. So I've had to learn to just trust that I'm going to be okay. And when I speak those words out loud and say, oh my gosh, I'm scared of this because I just bought another building and it's a huge risk for me. My friends now are saying, you're going to be okay. You've always been okay. Yeah. We love you. We're here. If you lose everything, you move in with me. I'm like, okay. Great. You know, so that's who you want in your life. Yeah. You know, the people that are going to support you. Let the other ones go. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I know they're crying. <laughs> good, good. Thank you so um, much. No problem. Thanks for listening to the Thanks for Visiting podcast. Head on over to the show notes for this episode at thanksforvisiting.me. If you're looking to take your listing to the next level and show your guests how much you care, be sure to check out our line of thoughtful hosting products from hosting checklists to custom mugs to toilet paper stickers. We've got you covered. And if you love our show, remember sharing is caring. Please hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. Awesome reviews help us bring you awesome content. Thanks for tuning in and we look forward to hanging out with you next week. Thanks for visiting.